the first step in overcoming loneliness, folks, is to abide in Christ, to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. If you've not done that, you need to. And that will permanently place the very presence of God within you. What does the Bible have to say about loneliness? This is Moments of Hope with David Chadwick. From Genesis to Revelation, God reveals how He created us for connection. Today, David walks us through Scripture to prove that God's ultimate desire is for us to never be alone. Giving practical ways to overcome the feeling of being alone, here's part two of David's message called Loneliness. Now the Israelites had committed heinous sins against God and He was getting ready to send them into a 70-year captivity in Babylon. He was displeased with their behavior. But notice His promises as their Savior. I give Egypt as your ransom, Cush and Seba in exchange for you because you are, what folks, precious in my eyes. Have you ever thought about this? That God looks at you and He thinks you're beautiful. He thinks you're gorgeous. You're precious in His eyes and you're honored. What does it mean to be honored? It means to be lifted up in the sight of God. You are in his hall of fame if you believe in him. And I love you. I was meeting this week with Tony Marciano, the head of the Charlotte Rescue Mission, and he deals daily with alcoholic addicts and uh, those who are caught in the quagmire of difficult drug problems. And Tony said to me, someone asked him one time, aren't you fearful that you'll start behaving like those you're serving? He said, absolutely not. And the person asked, well, why? And he said, because I know I am wildly loved by my daddy in heaven. That's my identity, not in drugs, alcohol, or anything else. My identity is in the fact I am wildly loved by my daddy in heaven. That's what God's saying here. I love you. I give men in return for you, peoples in exchange for your life. Fear not, for I am with you, I will bring your offspring from the east and the west. I will gather you. What's that promise? God says, you're going to spend 70 years in the Babylonian captivity, but one day, one day I'm gonna exchange your lives for all these other nations and I'm going to bring your children back to this land and I'm going to plant them back into this land and I'm going to redeem them, I'm going to rebuild them and I'm going to restore them. So here's what I believe, folks. If you trust this God who's present with us in our lives, as he promised the Israelites, not only will he take your lives that are broken and repair them, he will take your lives and redeem them and restore them two times in blessing what you previously had. That's what I believe. That's my God. That's my daddy. That's the God of the Bible who promised to bring the people of Israel back to the land and replant them in his land. So that's the Old Testament perspective. God promises to be with his people. He doesn't promise to stay with them permanently because of their sin, but he promises to be with them. Then comes the New Testament. And through Jesus, God comes to us again, and he dies on the cross to forgive us of our sins, and here's the promise. Jesus says, I'm going to live within you, and you're going to live in me forever. The closest physical relationship we have on earth, folks, is supposed to be with our spouses, to this whole understanding of abiding in Christ. That when Marilyn and I committed our lives to one another and are enjoined together, that we have a permanent oneness. The two become one, as the Bible said. Similarly, when you give your life to Jesus Christ, what happens is your life is now totally enmeshed in his, and his life is totally enmeshed in yours. You are interconnected in the deepest, most personal way. And here's the promise of the New Testament. This Holy Spirit who lives within you will never be taken from you. Never. Ever. Now, here's the problem, though. If you do sin, 
With the Holy Spirit living within you, you grieve the Holy Spirit. He'll never depart, but you grieve him. I don't know if any of you know this experience, but when I have sinned against the Lord, what I literally feel like is the weeping Jesus inside my heart. I literally experience the Holy Spirit crying, grieved because I invited something unholy into his presence. Here's the good news, though. In 1 John 1, 9, it says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and forgives us of all unrighteousness. All you have to do is confess that sin to the Lord and it's wiped clean. And some of you say to me sometimes, that's too easy. It's too easy for us. It costs God his own life to make it that easy for us. Now, his presence lives within us forever. Look at 1 John 4, 13. Read this with me. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. We abide in him, he abides in us. That word abide means rests, remains. Then look at John 14, 18, a promise from Jesus. I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you through the Holy Spirit. He said it would even be better for him to leave them in their locale and ascend to heaven because at that moment he's not limited to one situation and a few people, but when he ascends to heaven, the Holy Spirit can be poured out onto all people in all times everywhere. His abiding presence, he'll come to us. John 14, 26, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Hebrews 13, 5, read this one with me. Keep your life free from the love of money. There it is again. Materialism will strangle the presence of God like nothing else. And be content with what you have, for he has said, what folks? I will never leave you nor forsake you. Never, 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 permanent. And then Jesus' last words before he ascended into heaven, you know, when I visited my dad right when he was dying, my last conversation with him is indelibly etched into my mind because those were his last words to his son. Jesus' last words should be indelibly etched in our minds before he ascended into heaven, and here's what he said. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you. How often? Always. How often? To the end of the age. Always until this world lives its last second. So the first step in overcoming loneliness, folks, is to abide in Christ, to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. If you've not done that, you need to. And that will permanently place the very presence of God within you. But there's some other steps you can take. Here they are. Have a continual conversation with God throughout your day. Continually practice the presence of Christ. The Bible says Jesus is my friend, my closest friend. So here's what I do throughout the day. I imagine I'm on a park bench and Jesus is sitting real close to me. And he turns to me and says, well, how are things going? I go, having a tough time, Lord. Well, tell me about it. You really want me to? Of course I want you to. I'm your closest friend. I'm your lifelong, eternal companion. What's going on? Well, Lord, I'm really having a hard time with these issues over here, and I just don't know what to do with them. And we'll just talk all day long. And what's so interesting, I can be in a meeting, and I'm in constant conversation with God. As issues are raised, I'm in constant conversation with God. We talk all day long next to each other, engaging one another, encouraging one another, my closest friend. 
And then also throughout the day, the Holy Spirit will prompt my heart to pray for certain things. Marilyn does something wonderful. At 12 o'clock noon, she sets on her phone to beep, pray for Pastor Saeed. The Iranian Christian who's been thrown in jail because he loves Jesus. Been there now two and a half years. Do you think he has to practice the presence of Christ? Do you think he lives in continual conversation with the God of this universe? Of course he does. And that beep on Marilyn's phone reminds her to pray. To pray for Saeed. To pray for his release. Soon, O Lord. And if you are connected to Christ, he will prompt your heart to pray for different things throughout the day. Look for prayer triggers. Something in the world that will remind you to pray for somebody else. Marilyn does this for me with geese. And some of you are thinking, why geese? Well, I'm glad you asked. Let me tell you. Did you know that geese fly 74% farther in the V formation than they do alone? That's because they play off the updraft of the goose in front of them. And therefore, they don't have to flap as furiously. If one of the geese gets shot or tired and goes to the ground, two other so we'll fall to the ground with that goose until that goose is healed and able to fly again or dies. That's because they know they need three to fly in the V formation. When those geese fly over you and start honking, do you know why? It's because the head goose faces the most furious part of the headwind. And the head goose can't turn around to see if the geese are behind him. If he does, his neck will be snapped. So the geese are flying behind, playing off each other's updraft and honking to tell the head goose they're still there. They're encouraging the head goose. So Marilyn knows that I am the consummate cheerleader in the church. You've already heard. I believe all things are possible with Christ. I believe that nothing is impossible with Jesus. I believe that he is the rebuilder, redeemer, and restorer of our lives. I believe all things work together for good. And I encourage you over and over again with those realities. That's a part of how I'm wired. So she has made the connection with me and geese. As they honk and encourage one another, that's me. So every time she sees a goose or she hears the honking going on, it's a prayer trigger for her to pray for me. And I'm so appreciative. My guess is you've got people in your lives that something will remind you of them. Whatever it is, it will remind you of them. And when you see that through the day, you'll engage in continual conversation in prayer with the Father about that person. Also, I think you can talk to the angels. Did you know there are millions upon millions of angel armies ready to come to your aid? Hebrews, the first chapter, says they are ministering spirits ready to help God's chosen. I think they're the most underutilized, powerful spiritual force in the universe. And yet we hardly ever refer to them. We hardly ever call upon their aid. And I think, and I may be entering into some biblical dangerous territory here, not sure, but I think we can ask the angels to pray for us. I really do. I mean, they are eternally perfect creatures. And they do whatever God tells them to do. And, and one part of the Bible says they look at you and me 
and the mess we've made of things in this world and our personal lives, and they are absolutely amazed that God loves us. They stand in awe that the Lord God of this universe would send his son to die on a cross to forgive us of our sins when we're such a mess. But the father did. And if the angels are at the father's beck and command to help us anytime we cry out for their need, does it not make sense that they would be an intercessory prayer for us? So during that continual conversation with God, we should ask the angels to come help us. We should ask the angels to pray for us. Also in that continual conversation, I think we should ask the saints who've gone ahead before us to pray for us. The Bible says the prayers of the saints ascend to the Lord regularly. Is that just the saints here on this side of eternity? Why doesn't it include the saints who've gone on to heaven? I think it does. So that means if Hebrews 12 is correct, that we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, that those witnesses might include the saints who've gone before us and they're cheering us on to finish this race of faith faithfully. That means my mom and my dad and other loved ones are cheering me and my family, my kids, their grandkids, on to victory in Christ. So if that's the case, why can't I regularly ask mom and dad to pray for their grandkids? to pray for me. That's one of the things I believe, folks. Why not? If the prayers of the saints ascend to the Lord and are used by him, why can't we ask the saints to pray for us in that continual conversation with the Lord? Now, folks, either that's true or that's the worst lie that's ever been perpetrated on the face of this earth. So let's move on then. Well, how then do we live out not only our relationship with the Lord, but our relationship with one another. Many of you have heard the old story of the little girl who was scared during the lightning and thunderstorms, and her mama kept coming in over and over again, and she would say to her, honey, honey, just don't fear. Jesus is with you. And the little daughter finally said, yeah, mama, I believe that, but I want Jesus with some skin on. <laughs> How do you get Jesus with some skin on is in groups of 8 to 12 to 15 where you're in community with one another, looking at each other's eyes touching each other as you pray, seeing the body language as you're living out biblical community with one another. Then you move from acquaintances to close friends. Next, reach out to others. Go serve somebody else. Go on a missions trip. There's nothing that builds closer relationships than being with other people for two weeks on a missions trip. In fact, you singles, I say to you all the time, you really want to meet somebody and get married, go serve the poor with people. You'll already have the foundation that's necessary for a strong relationship as you serve together. Volunteer here in the church in the different things we've got going on. You'll soon build friendships and be a team with other people. Send a card to somebody, an email, an Instagram. Just write H-O-N-K, exclamation mark, okay? Give them encouragement. Call them on the phone. Go visit them. Be Jesus with skin on to other people. And I am convinced if you'll go serve somebody who's worse off than you are, your own depression will lift, your own loneliness will lift, and the Lord will start working in powerful ways. Go read in the public schools with these kids who don't have a mom or a dad to read to them. Go serve at a food kitchen, giving hungry to those who don't have food. Above all, folks, just don't bowl alone. And if your loneliness is leading you to destructive behavior, 
More specifically, if your loneliness is causing you to medicate with drugs or alcohol or porno, I mean, what kind of an intimate relationship do you have with a celluloid model, really? If that's moving you in those directions, let us sit down and find out what's going on in your heart and move you toward health and wholeness and a clean heart. And finally, look forward to eternal community. Look forward to eternal community. There's no loneliness in heaven, none. And as you're fearful maybe of death and moving into eternity, think of it this way. Think of yourself as a baby in your mother's womb and you're fearful. What's on the other side of this womb? What's this world I'm entering into? But how the fear would evaporate if you knew you had several hands excitedly awaiting your entrance into this world. If you knew you'd be hugged and loved and cared for for all your life. Similarly, as you're in the womb of death, in the darkness of your soul, facing the next life, imagine it as a new birth. And as you move into this new world, there are all those whom you've loved. My mom, my dad, aunts, uncles, family, friends, whose hands are outstretched, ready to receive me into eternity. Doesn't that cure loneliness? Because there's no loneliness in heaven. Believe it. To God be the glory. You're listening to Moments of Hope with David Chadwick. Coming up, David joins me in the studio to discuss one of his Davidisms called The Snare to Compare. We'll be right back. This is the Ministry Minute, focusing on ministries that have a positive impact on our community. I'm Mark McManus, and here is Jim Noble with the Dream Center Charlotte. Hello, my name is Jim Noble with the Charlotte Mecklenburg Dream Center. And Bo and I, the director of the Dream Center, just wanted to take a minute and tell you guys thank you. Moments of hope. David and Marilyn Chadwick, all of you there, Dean, uh, we all have been phenomenal for us. Uh, you, you've been there since 08 when we started King's Kitchen, and that kind of grew into the Dream Center. And the meals we've fed the last eight weeks, probably exceeding 55,000 now, I guess. Uh, we're so grateful you guys have made such an impact in the city by reaching out to those that have needs greater than we have. And uh, what do you think, Bo? Yeah, so it's been amazing to, to just watch the, the work that's happened um, with the meals as they've gone out. You know, uh, we, I always tell people it's not about the food, it's about the relationships that are formed and the ministry that takes place. And so, um, and JT Williams and Thomasboro and Reed Park, I mean, it has opened up doors that we never thought would be open. Um, you know, we've seen people come out um, and just welcomed us with open arms, just so grateful for the meals and, and we just thank you moments of hope and just this couldn't be this wouldn't be possible without you guys and you know uh the, the first call we made uh when we decided to go this route and provide these meals was the moments of hope and it was uh, a phone call that was met with a resounding yes and so we're so appreciative of you guys and just um everything you all do for us and for the kingdom and not only that but you uh, also set into our kitchen in the dream center now this week started producing meals there and as the restaurants opened back up all the meals were shipped to the dream center 
with the kitchen you helped us do. So we're so grateful for you guys. God bless you. God bless Moments of Hope. And we just pray an unlimited return harvest on the seed you sowed into this ministry. Thank you very much. I'm Jen Houston. Thanks for listening today. Joining me in the studio is our pastor, David Chadwick. David, thanks so much for being with us today. Uh, it's great being with you, Jen. Thanks so much for your presence. Well, you've recently begun to share with us some snippets of wisdom that you call Davidisms. Can you tell us where these came from specifically? And can you talk with us today about the one you call Avoid the Snare to Compare? Yeah, Jen, these uh, Davidisms, as they are affectionately called, are simple phrases that I've learned through the years from my mom, my dad, coaches, mentors, influential people in my life, and people have asked me to write them down, so we're writing them down right now and also yeah. broadcasting them now. Uh, this one, avoid the snare to compare, is from my dad. He used to say it to me all the time, and here's what he was trying to say. Listeners, what's the most frequent negative emotion experienced by those scrolling through social media? It's jealousy. Every single study says so. How do we steer clear of this problem? I know of only one solution. Avoid the snare to compare. When you compare your life to others' lives, you're comparing the totality of your life to someone else's highlight reel. Hmm. You are also comparing your insides to their outsides. People only post their successes but you don't know what's happening in their hearts. They'd never share that on social media. But when you continue to compare yourself with others, only two things can happen, neither of which are good. Indeed, they are both deadly. One, you'll become jealous because the other person has more than you do, or you'll become prideful because you have more than the other person. Hmm. There's only one way to experience true contentment in life. It's in God and in God alone. Hmm. It's through Him and only Him that you'll find contentment in your lives. First Timothy 6, 6, godliness with contentment is great gain. In Him alone can you celebrate the special, unique you He has created. Recognize and celebrate the uniqueness of your life today, dear listeners. There is no one in the world like you. Claim that reality today and always avoid the snare to compare. When you do so, it's absolutely deadly. That's so good, David, and so applicable to all of us. Thank you. Well, thank you, Jen. And honestly, my dad told me this phrase in response to when I was in high school, and I was a pretty good basketball player. I had set the county scoring record in my senior year. Well, the next year, there came another kid who was 6'10", taller than I was, wow. who was breaking all my records. Huh. And dad saw envy and jealousy starting to eat up my soul. Wow. And honestly, Jen, that's something I've had to struggle with practically all my life. As I compare myself to other people, I start feeling envious if they're successful. Mm -hmm. Interestingly, as I've read through the Bible repeatedly, I see the theme of envy and jealousy being the sources of problems over and over again in people's lives. Mm -hmm. So, 
This particular lesson today from my dad has been especially helpful for me as I'm reminded that envy and jealousy are never admitted by believers in Jesus. We never do that. It's too ugly a thing to admit, but it's within us all, and the way you fight it is by being the unique you that God created you to be and to avoid the snare to compare. That's so powerful. Thank you so much. Yeah, listeners, I hope this has helped you today. These daily Moments of Hope are available to you in written form. Go to momentsofhopechurch.org org. Subscribe. They're free of charge. From my heart to yours every morning, you can receive from me a moment of hope. This has been Moments of Hope with David Chadwick, Senior Pastor of Moments of Hope Church. Today's message is from a series called Heartbeats from our online worship service. You can be a part of our service each Sunday morning at both 9 and 11 o'clock by going to momentsofhopechurch.org. And while you're online, be sure to sign up for David's daily Moments of Hope, delivered every morning to your inbox. And also, check out David's weekly Hopecast. They're both free and available through our website. Again, that web address is momentsofhopechurch.org. For David and the entire Moments of Hope Church staff, this is Jen Houston asking you to reach out to a neighbor today.